Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. As we continue through our study in the book of Psalms, uh, I want to ask you to, to do something. Um, I'm amazed at how a book that I've always referred to or thought of as a little too sing-songy uh, for me. It's a little too sing-songy. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I'm like, never said that. Like never woke up in the morning, looked outside and was like, oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Never happened. Just like it's a little too uh, sing-songy for me. But I don't, um, maybe you're not aware of this, but um, hey, Dill, can you find this slide right here? Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe just turn it down a, a notch. That's better. Is that better? Yeah. All right. Let's go with that. Thank you. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the most quoted book uh, of Jesus in the New Testament that he quotes most often is the book of Psalms. If the Lion of Judah doesn't find it a little too sing-songy, probably Jared of Allen County shouldn't either. Like, I'm not so tough, you know, that if Jesus can, I can probably as well. And what it seems like is if, if, the, if the Savior, the, the divine, is going to come to earth and try to navigate this life, the manual he's going to use is the book of Psalms. Probably has some useful information for me too. Probably has something that can affect me. So what I want, what I want to do is I want to offer you something that, will, that I get to experience on a weekly basis. Okay? Here's what I want you to do. You can, you can do it or, or, or don't do it, um, just depending on how good of a Christian you are. So um, if, if, if you would do this, you do this with me, I promise you, you will, you will experience some cool stuff. Um, and you'll never be able to say, eh, it doesn't work. It works. Here's what I want you to do. Thumb through the book of Psalms. There's like 150 options, okay, in the book of Psalms. Thumb through. Find you, some of you guys with the short attention span, find you a nice short one, okay? Some nice short ones. Stay away from 78 and 150, I think. Stay away from those. Pretty lengthy, okay? Find you a nice short one. Wake up on Monday. Read it. Just read it. Wake up and read one psalm. On Tuesday, go to that same psalm and read it. Wednesday, same thing. Thursday, same thing. Read that one psalm every day for one week. There's a few things that are going to happen for you. You'll begin to interpret the world around you through that psalm. You'll begin to look at life and go, wow, that's just like this. And it, it will be absolutely amazing to you. It'll be absolutely amazing to you. I get to experience that on a regular basis. So I'll wake up on Monday, I'll find the passage I'm going to preach, I'll read it Tuesday, I'll do the same thing. Wednesday through the week, I try to get in and, and try to digest it on a regular basis. By the time I get to the end of the weekend, it is nothing like I thought it was when I first read it. It's nothing like that. It changes a part of me. I interpret the world differently after going through and reading that psalm on a daily basis. I'll tell you what else it does is it begins to work on my, pers my perspective of who God is. I begin to see something in God that I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like I would have, I would have never attributed that, attributed that characteristic 
to God. So I want to invite you to do that. So as we go through the book of Psalms for the next few weeks, find one. It doesn't have to be long. Doesn't have to, you don't have to memorize it. Just wake up, read it. Next day, same thing through the week. If you want to text me what psalm you're using, uh, I would be super interested to know. I'll go through and I'll read yours. That'd be, that'd be pretty awesome. Here's our passage uh, for today. Psalm 13. Only six verses. It's a cool noise. Can you hear that noise? All the pages? You know what you can't hear? Here's what you can't hear. That's not that cool, is it? Good for you, you old school hard copiers. <laughs> Toting that big old family Bible in here. Good for you. Psalm 13, 1 through 6. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my own thoughts and every day have sorrow in my soul? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. There is no doubt that when we read a passage like that, there are some of you who you identify so well with that passage. You don't even perk up in interest like, oh yeah, this is just the way I interpret the world. I live life in the minor chords and keys. It's just this is life. Like you just wake up like, well, maybe he'll come back today. We won't have to do this anymore. Some of you really do get it. How long the Hebrew on this one, will you forget me forever, is this. Until what? Until what? What are you waiting for? Until what? Now, if you have not experienced that season, some of you, it's a little bit more than a season. But if you've not experienced that season, you will. You will experience that season. It's always, always so funny and sad when you encounter younger, the world's ahead of them, charging off to chase my dreams type of people typically under the age of 19, you know? Go marching down to the guidance counselor's office. What are you going to be? Let me tell you what I'm going to be. Superman. I'm going to conquer the world. I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And then like the freshman year of college, somewhere around like that second semester, like they're coming home, dragging their bag of dirty clothes, like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know who I am. I feel like I need to backpack through Europe. It's like, what is, like, what just happened? It's called life. It's called life. Katie and I have a, Katie and I have a thing that we say back and forth to each other concerning, uh, concerning our kids when they were, when they were smaller. I wasn't good at it. I had to pick this up from her. 
But you know what? You should probably encourage everybody you come in contact with, especially your children. Just encourage them. Encourage them, encourage them, encourage them. Discipline them. I'm not saying don't discipline. I'm saying just continue to encourage them on some level. Do you know why? Because there will come a time where they will enter into life. They will enter the atmosphere for the first time. And what they will find out is the world will kick their teeth in. We really don't need to. You know? The world's going to take care of that. You read this psalm and you begin to feel that pain, that angst. And this is coming from David. You know what they said about David? No one had a heart more like God's than David. And David is saying, uh, how long are we going to do this? You're going to let him just keep pounding away at my, at my castle door, trying to smash me and, and kill me. But you can tell that like this isn't just an outside enemy thing. This is also, you know, you hear him say it, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And some of you go, exactly. Exactly. Wrestling with my thoughts. It seems to me that the pain that comes in life comes from three different places. It seems like sometimes that distance that David identifies here, how long will you hide your face from me? Seems like, like there's three places that that comes from. And see, what's interesting about a psalm like this is that I can put this out there, and some of you are going, that is exactly why I don't read the psalms, because I don't feel that way. And I'm not going to read those psalms every day for one week. Why? Because I need no more sadness in my life. That sounds terrible. So what do you do with a psalm like this when it comes out with, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? Will you hide your face from me? I asked my wife. I said, hey, let me read this. Let me read this psalm to you. Do you ever feel this way? And I read her this psalm. And if you know my wife, her emotional capacity when it comes to stuff like this, like it, it mine will register on, on, on very light levels, you know, like Jared, how are you feeling today? Super emotional, happy but sad, like shades of blue, you know? <laughs> My wife, on the other hand, is like, fine, good. But this is also the same girl who has a shirt that says, somewhere between Proverbs 31 and Tupac is me. <laughs> and she wears it, you know? Like she's, like, she's proud. West side, me against the world, you know? All eyes on me. But that's her. So I read her this psalm and I say to her, have you ever felt this way? <laughs> and it's so awesome because me, like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Lord, I feel this weight of the world. And my wife is just like her response to that. Babe, have you ever felt this way? Bing. <laughs> no. Wow. And I said, but I bet you this psalm will affect your life. I bet it will. So I explained to her what I'm going to explain to you. And she goes, that's 100% true. And I said, I know. As I'm looking at this verse this week, it did the same thing to me. I'm like, this one here, like I identify with Psalm 13, but most of my buddies don't. Most of them don't. Have you ever woke up and just like, how long have we got? No, never felt that way, not once. I just get up, I go to work, do my thing. Wow. But it affects you. Sometimes that distance from God affects all of us. But it comes from three different places. 
It's interesting, the very first one. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Do you know the first place distance comes from? When you begin to feel that distance from God or you begin to feel that cloud move in or lack of growth somewhere in your relationship as if God has almost turned his face from you. You begin to experience these things in life that become more difficult. Relationships get more complicated. Children get more complicated. Work gets more complicated. Where is this coming from? What did I do wrong? Wait, wait, wait. Don't panic. Don't panic. David explains it right in the very first verse. God, how long? How long will you? How long will you hide your face from me? Will you forget me forever? Do you know where the first place is? God will distance himself from you at times. Oh, he is with you always, but he will distance himself from you. I know it sounds counterintuitive. You don't come to church to hear, guess what? God is not with you all the time. Oh, he's with you all the time. But there are these moments to where you begin to see him pull back, and you look at your life like, why is everything beginning to get a little more shaky? You mean to tell me you don't do the same thing to your kids? First day of school. Social media blows up. Look for it. This next year, look for it. All the moms and dads of kindergartners, just look for it. Because you know what it is? Billy went to his first day of all-day school. I don't know who cried more, me or Billy. Well, why send Billy? You, you have to. Why don't you just keep him at home? You can't keep him at home forever. Why do you send him to sleepovers? Why do you make them do things at times? Why do you put separation between you and them at times? Because if you don't, you'll cripple them. You don't want that. There's got to be a moment when we separate a little bit and create a little bit of independence on their end, a little bit of grit on their side. We do this with our kids. We need this space we need this time. They need to grow and move forward, and they have to have space to do that. God does the same thing to us. It makes perfect sense. Jesus did it to his disciples, and I love the story. It's absolutely hilarious. After the resurrection, Jesus shows up. He visits with the disciples again. He gives them the great commission. He ascends, and then after that, he comes back a few times, and he talks to them over the next 40 days on what they need to be doing with their life. Go to Jerusalem and wait. And then he ascends and he goes out of, out of stock. <laughs> it's in Acts chapter 1, like, I think verse like 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. And it says that as they are standing there, he ascended and he went up into the sky. He had just told them what to do. Go to Jerusalem, stay in Jerusalem, and wait for the gift that God is going to give you, the Holy Spirit. And the disciples, check them out. Just watch them. Just watch it. <laughs> if you read the passage, here's what it said. And then the angels appeared beside them. What are you doing? Like, that's what they say. Uh, Whoa. What are you guys looking at? <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, oh. Mmm. Wish you hadn't have, wish you hadn't have done that. Okay. What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you staring at? Well, uh, did, he, did he not just say something? Did he not say to do something? No, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he did, he did. But, but uh, I don't know, I've never seen, I've never seen any, anybody like David Blaine. Maybe not. 
like that. That's, you know, the same Jesus, the same Jesus who came to you is the same Jesus who's going to come back to you. So between here and here, what do you think it is you need to be doing? The last thing he said, go. Yeah, oh, of course, yeah. Guys, what are you doing? Come on. And off they go. Why would Jesus create the separation between them? You can tell they don't want it. No, Jesus, stay here. Peter rebuked Jesus himself. I'm going to have to go to the cross and die. Oh, absolutely not. You're not. No. That's not a good, that's not a good game plan, Jesus. That's not, we're going to take over the world, right? Mm -hmm. Well, can, um, can you do that dead? I think not. Let's do things my way. I, I know. I, I'm, I'm a fisherman. Sure, it makes sense. There's always this distance that is created. Why would he do that? Because if he doesn't do that, you won't grow, and neither will I. I will not produce any persistence or endurance in my life if I don't have to handle things in my life. If I just get to walk and God just smooths out my path every single step of the way, I will do nothing. I will not develop any sense of character in my life. None. Why would he pull back at times? That's the reason why. Sometimes God does it. The next one is this. Verse 2, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? Sometimes God does it. Sometimes you does it. You understand, if you, if you identify closely with this, it doesn't matter what it is. It's, sometimes it's things that have happened to you. Sometimes it's things that you've done. Sometimes it's addiction. Sometimes it's that overactive imagination, that overactive mind that you just can't seem to rein in. It's just hell-bent on trying to find a way to create new sins on some level, just constantly grinding, trying to figure out a way to bring some sort of peace or, 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 or composure into your life. And it just runs 24-7. And if you could amputate any part of your body so that you could have a little bit of peace, it would be somewhere above the chin. Because there, it seems, is your problem because you lay your head on your pillow and all of a sudden your heartbeat elevates, your brain begins to just grind. Wow. Sometimes we do it. Sometimes we struggle to get our head in check. Let me read you a couple of passages that I think are pretty interesting. Romans 8, 7. If you have your Bible, Romans 8, 7. The mind of sinful men is death, and the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it even do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. What Paul is writing here is this. We must take our mind 
and submit it to Jesus. You know, here's the problem. Sometimes I think to myself, like, my heart is so good. I really do have a lot of good in my heart. I want to help. I want to do things. But my mind and my heart will sometimes conflict, and they'll meet each other in that place of, you know what, we should do this and this and this. And my mind's like, why? They done anything for you lately? <laughs> Write those people off. Get rid of them. No. My heart says, you know what? We should take some time just to thank God for all the good stuff in our life. And my mind goes, he knows. He knows. You tell God some stuff he already knows? Why? Stop doing it. Don't, don't worry about this stuff. Like, he knows. He knows. Your heart's good. Come on, let's go. And my mind just races and it just moves right past that kind of thing. Get so caught up in my own world that I look at other people's problems and go, eh, they'll figure it out. I got my own stuff to worry about. My heart's like, hey, pull the brakes. We got to stop. We got to help. My mind's like, no. Or your mind gets in that place where it just wants to figure out new ways to create sin. Like, where do these thoughts come from? These crazy delusional thoughts. Where do they come from? In those moments, what scripture says is we must submit our minds to Christ. Here's one way to do that. Take your mind and baptize it in the word of God. There's a reason that you shouldn't watch scary movies before you go to bed. Do you know why? Because when you close your eyes, your eyes refuse to stop seeing. You close them and your mind is like, remember this? And you're like, sweet, sweet. And then it notifies your ears and says, hey, did you hear that door? What? I didn't even notice there was a door. I think someone's outside. Pretty sure they got a machete. Oh, good. Good. Because your mind is screaming these things to you. What should we do with my mind? I should probably get a, find a way to wash my mind. You ever had one of those experiences to where you had to do one thing all day long? Just the same thing all day long. You were looking at an Excel page all day long or a computer screen all day long and then you close your eyes and what does your mind do? Hey, look, an Excel, you can't even close your eyes and unsee what you've seen. The mind just picks up on this stuff. How in the world can we fix that? If the mind is going crazy all the time with your thoughts and your words, maybe you should substitute them. Maybe you should substitute. Now, this is not some coy way for me to say, maybe you should read your Bible more often and then you wouldn't have bad thoughts. But maybe you should read your Bible more often and you wouldn't have bad thoughts. It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut between the bone and the marrow. And if it can cut between the bone and the marrow, my guess is it can cut somewhere between my mind and where it needs to really be directed between the good thoughts that I have and the bad thoughts. If it can carve between bone and marrow, it can probably get in and take away some of this other stuff. My mind must be submitted to Christ. There's also an, uh, an, an interesting, interesting theme to the book of Psalms. And the theme is this. There's this phrase, maybe we've talked about this before, this phrase that you'll hear in psychology, therapy, counseling. 
positive self-talk. You know, do you ever see the video of the little girl standing on the bathroom counter? Do you ever see this? And she's screaming into the mirror. Never seen this? You gotta look this up, okay? You gotta look this up. This girl with these little, little ringlets, and she's standing in the mirror like this, and she's like, I love my hair, I love my dad, I love my brother, I love my life, everything I do is good. Like, she just cannot stop talking about it. Sometimes I think, I wish I had her confidence. And maybe a bathroom sink that wouldn't crush if I stood on it, you know. But I wish I had that confidence. Positive self-talk goes a long way. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, good. Jared's moved over into psychology. Probably not qualified. Listen, this is not a psychology thing. It's, it's kind of come to light through psychology, but do you realize that King David was doing that thousands of years ago? Why, oh my soul, are you so downcast? Well, who's he talking to? Him soul. Why so downcast, oh my soul? There's these moments in our day that we should probably pause from time to time when it begins to just come on us and the mind is just going crazy and you have to stop yourself and go, hey, 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 Jerry, Jerry, you good? Oh, I got a little carried away there for a minute. Got a little carried away for a minute. David says you need to talk to yourself sometimes. Sometimes you have to stop and say, okay, why are we feeling this way? What in the world, what thought did I have that would trigger this emotion and cause this kind of thing to come over the top of me? Sometimes we have to stop multiple times in the Psalms. In 42, in, in 43, in 62, in 131, David says, why, oh my soul, are you downcast? Sometimes you have to take control of what's going on inside of you too. Ask questions. But here's the problem that we have. Sometimes it's easier not to ask those questions. Do you really want to know those answers? Why do I feel like I feel? I don't want to answer that. I don't want to look at that. Here's what I'd much rather do, and I'm really super good at this. When something goes wrong inside of me, I love to take it and point it out on you. It's not my problem. It's your problem. If you would comply to my way of life, then we wouldn't have any problems, would we? Even if I deviated off course, if you just stayed on course, but I deviated off course, then everything would be fine. So just follow my plan and we'll all get along. What's hard about that? Well, other than controlling people and manipulating one another, I guess nothing. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Sometimes we have to step into our own life and say, okay, what is the problem here? This is what David does. David does this all the time. Here's another one for you. And this is interesting because I hadn't thought about this. Matthew 22, verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind. Your mind. All my heart and soul love the Lord. Absolutely love the Lord. But sometimes my mind is like, eh, let's find something more fun to do. 
And sometimes I have to put my mind in that place of, no. Here's what's interesting. The mind does not have hands or feet or legs. It has a will, right? But the mind does not. I can make my mind go anywhere I want my mind to go. The battle is between my body and my mind. And so my mind is like, okay, you know what? We don't want to do any of this today. Well, too bad I'm the one with the body. And I go do it. Or I don't do it. Sometimes just submitting our mind to God makes all the difference in the world. Sometimes we are the one that caused the distance between us and God. We create that distance. Lack of obedience. The inability to talk about our pain. This weird, strange deal that assumes somebody, that, that other people in the world have it figured out and we don't, that somehow our brand of sin is far weirder than everybody else's. Do you ever have that thought? Raise your hand if you've ever had the thought that your brand of sin might be the strangest brand of sin out there. Just raise your hand. Oh, really? All of you? Oh, okay. Not so strange. Like, you think yours is weird. It might be the weirdest. It's not the weirdest. But just like anything else, anything that is kept in the dark, that's not revealed to light or truth, will remain. Sometimes we have to kick open those doors and expose that so that we can get past those things. Third thing, or the third way that this happens, is that the enemy does it. Listen to David's words in 13. Uh, How long will my enemy triumph over me? Sometimes it has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with you. Sometimes you are just the victim of a situation that you can't control. Your enemies triumph over you. How long are you going to let my enemies triumph over me? Now, we don't have enemies like David had enemies. David was called from the sheep pasture to go be the king. I don't know if you know this or not, but there was already a king. His name was Saul, and he wasn't nice. So the fact that there's a new king and he's a shepherd doesn't go over very well. And for years, he chases after David, trying to kill him. We don't have the same kind of trouble that David has. We don't have Philistines who are marching into the valley, and we meet them on the way to work, and they got their car parked sideways in the the highway, and they're standing there saying, okay, here we go. It's rumble time. No, nobody does this. David, his own sons rebel against his kingdom and his reign, and they come for his throne. We don't have that. Most of us don't have a throne. But we do have enemies. We do have an enemy. Let me explain to you what Jesus says about the enemy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to give life and give it abundantly 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. There are over 30 references to Satan in the New Testament. You think you do not have an enemy? Somebody who wants to crush your life on the regular? You're wrong. That's what he desires most is to mash you. And if on some level you are unaware of that, or you're like, mm, I just don't like, I just like to think that like it's just coincidence. You're co- that's a weird thing. That's a weird thing. Listen, there is an all-powerful good, and then there's this 
pure bad. And if you don't think that he's on the attack and trying to mash your life into pieces, sometimes all we need to do is recognize the fact that, listen, Satan could be playing a role in this. My wife is so good at this. I, I don't know why you would think that I would think this more often, but, but I don't. We will get in a scuffle, and it'll be a few days in a row. It's like you just can't get on the same page, just can't figure that thing out. And every conversation becomes this grating noise. I say something, and she's like, <sighs> she says something, and I'm like, <sighs> just what is the problem? Why can't we just exchange and it be a good exchange? She will stop, and she will say, we need to talk. And I'm like, okay. What is it? This isn't you and me. This isn't how we operate. This isn't what happens. We have not operated like this for years, ever. This has never been the nature of our relationship to just throw ugly words at each other. This is beyond us. Jared, this is the devil trying to mess us up. And when she says it, I go... Uh, why is she smarter than me? Why does she spiritually sense things better than I do? She's right. She's right. I'm like, of course. She's a great person. I'm decent. That should put us somewhere in the black, right? And when we're not there, must be, it must have something to do with something outside of us. We do have an enemy. Here's what scripture says. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's, that's awfully simple. I mean, just in theory, right? It's awfully simple. Nobody called a priest. Nobody's holding a crucifix. The power of Christ compels you. No one's yelling weird things at us. Just submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. This word flee, I wanted to know what it meant. I looked it up. At the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, there was a man, a young man, a young guy, and they don't ever refer to him by his name. Some assume he may be a, a figure who shows up later in Scripture. But this young guy, we don't know how old, but young. I'm guessing 12, 15, 16, 18, somewhere in there, maybe a teenage kid. And he'd been following Jesus. And then at the arrest, he is hiding and the Roman soldiers come in, and Judas kisses him, and they, and they grab Jesus up, and they begin to haul him off, and many of the disciples just disperse and take off. And one of them went to make a mad dash to get away, and a Roman soldier or somebody grabs him by his robe. He strips his robe off and runs naked into the dark, the same Greek word for flee. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will do that? 
To where the devil looks at your life, he's like, I am out of here now. Done. That's way weird. Like, I'm out of that. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Let me tell you why this psalm smashed me. And I say this, and I, I say this, in a, and I don't want this to sound, it's weird, it's weird anyway, it doesn't matter. When, when, when I connected these dots for me, I mean, I just begin to cry. I'm in my office, I just begin to cry because I thought, God is such a genius. Like, he's such a genius. Here's the reason why he's a genius. Because there's three days on the calendar that will mess with every single one of us in here. Every single one of us will wrestle with one of the three days on the calendar. Some of you wrestle with yesterday. And you can't get past it. And yesterday has smashed you every day for years. And you can't get away from yesterday. See, some of you... The day on the calendar that bothers you most is today. It's today. It's the day. You don't worry about yesterday. You can't even believe you made it through yesterday. You're not worried about tomorrow because you might not make it through today. It's just a grind to get through the day. You've got these hard thoughts. You've got these difficult relationships. You've got all these things. You just pick up your life, and if you could get it to the finish line of today, you will be satisfied because today is hard. It's the social interaction. It's trusting people. It's learning to rely on God. It's just too difficult. And I looked at Katie, and I said, but your day is not yesterday. She said, no. I said, your day is not today. She said, no. I said, your day is tomorrow. And she said, every single bit of the stress and the anxiety that comes into my life has nothing to do with yesterday, has nothing to do with today. All mine is built on tomorrow. What is tomorrow going to do? She said, you're right. Those three days are the days that will haunt all of us. How does this psalm apply to all of us? The answer is differently. Some of you are wrestling with yesterday's pain and you can't get... You can't get rid of it. It's hooked onto you like an old wagon full of just garbage and rusty water, and you can't ditch it. Some of you, it's today, but some of you, you are in a mad panic because tomorrow's coming. Because tomorrow's coming, and I don't know what's coming with it. And I just don't, I'm terrified of what it's going to be tomorrow. And this is where it broke me down. This is where it broke me down. On why I just threw my hands up in the air and I cried and I said, you're a freaking genius. Listen to David's last words. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. This blows my mind. Let me, let me point out why I'm just so weirded out about this. Because I will trust. Do you know when trust is? Tomorrow. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Do you know when you rejoice? Now. Today. 
That's when you rejoice today. Because something happens and you go, oh, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm rejoicing now. Why? Because it's in the present right now. And David says, I will trust. That's tomorrow. I will rejoice. That's today. And I will sing, of, I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he has been good to me. Yesterday. Are you serious? You got it all wrapped up just like that? Like you've got me hemmed in on every single side. You've picked me up and there's nothing that can get to me. Why can't I be convinced of that? Probably because I'm too busy worrying. You know, worry is like the prayer minus God. Trust is the future. Rejoice is today and singing and remembering that he has been good to me. Did you make it through yesterday? Can we just talk about it for a second? Did you make it through yesterday? Yeah, you made it. Did you make it through that terrible thing that happened years ago? You did. You made it. Like, you made it. Do you wish it wouldn't have happened? Sure. But look at you now. You're here. What are you complaining? You're okay. Your life is so together at this point, you were able to do this. From all the tragedy of, last, of yesterday, here's what you've been able to do. You got up this morning. I assume you showered. Maybe you didn't. I don't even care. You put on decent clothes. You showed up at a social event to get somebody to talk to you about God's word. Like you accomplished a lot. You beat yesterday already. What are you so worried about? You can let go. Sing, for he has been good to you. He is the Alpha and the Omega. That's the beginning and the end, and that's everything in between. Hebrews 13, 8, if I can read you one more passage, and we'll close with this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today. And forever. There's another passage that says this. And God has scrawled your name into the palm of his hand. Listen, if the king of glory, who is the king of yesterday, today, and forever, has your name tattooed into the palm of his hand, what are you weirded out about? What are you sweating? Because at any point, you call on big brother, and he shows up. And goes to smashing fools. Because that's what he does. That's why David lands where he lands. I'm okay. I'm okay. I will trust you for tomorrow. I will sing for you and rejoice to you for today. And I will sing and remember all the good that you have done for me in the past. You brought me to here. Wasn't awesome. It was the scenic route. Got some old tattoos I wish I hadn't got. But I'm here. I made it. He loves you. Do you know this? He loves you. 
He can't get enough of you. He absolutely loves you. I know you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking. Some of you, I can hear your thoughts from right here. Yeah, but I'm not very, you know what? Listen, when you start comparing your disqualifications to who he is in the cross, you're an idiot. Agree? You don't get to try to disqualify the cross with somehow how you didn't do something right one time. He still loves you. It doesn't matter. Let's pray. God, your word is moving and it's stirring and it's powerful and it's humbling. We thank you so much for it. But we pray that you will, you will convince us more and more all the time of your love. And Lord, let that empower us to go forward and do wonderful things for you and the kingdom. Uh, not just in our own hearts and minds and not just in our own homes, but for our community in the world entirely. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful afternoon. Go Patriots.